Are you ready? That was the wink. That means you can start the, the he can start taping now. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter three today. And if you want to open your Bible to that, I want to encourage you to do that. Let me tell you what I'm doing. Let me tell you what I'm doing today and what I'm going to be doing for the next few weeks. And when I say the next few weeks, I'm thinking about the next basically 1,040 weeks, okay? 1,040 weeks. Can anybody tell me how long that is? Ten years, not counting leap years, okay? About ten years. Uh, What I would like to do is there are 260 chapters in the New Testament. Did you know that? Yeah, there's 260 chapters. That means that if I preached on every chapter of the New Testament, it would take me exactly five years to, to get it done. Not, not counting leap year, okay? Not counting leap year. And, um, and if I were to preach on every single chapter in the Old Testament, you know how long it would take us? 17.8 years. Are you ready? We're going to be here 17.8 years. Now, um, what I want to do is over the next 10 years, I would like to be able to preach from every single chapter of the New Testament, and I also want to preach a series on every, uh, every book in the Old Testament. Now, some of those books I'm going to do like a one-week series on. Some I'm going to take several weeks to go through it. But one of the things I want to make sure that I'm doing is that I am preaching the Word of God. And not just preaching my favorite portions of the Word of God, but all of Scripture. And there will still be topical series that are going to be tied in in years to come. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that I'm actually preaching the Word of God. Sometimes where there's a lot of topical preaching, and I don't want to criticize anybody who does it, because I do it. But when we do a lot of topical preaching, sometimes what we do as pastors, we pick the topics that we feel more comfortable with, and we avoid the topics that we feel more uncomfortable with, or we're afraid that maybe our church will be more uncomfortable with. And what's important is that we're actually preaching the Word of God. And, and so what I'm going to do as I'm doing these, these series in the future, and as we kick off the series on Matthew today, and, and the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to do like, we're going to go through like seven or eight weeks, take a little break, we'll, then we'll go through another seven weeks or so until we go through entire books like the book of Matthew. But what I want to do is each time I preach a message, I'm going to prepare for you. And in fact, if you picked up a bulletin this morning, inside of your bulletin, you'll see in there uh, some notes and uh, Noreen, can I borrow yours for just a moment, please? Here, I'll borrow Sharon's. <laughs> Actually, I don't. Um, so in, inside, of your, inside of your bulletin, uh, what I've done is I've put together some Bible study notes. Because, see, what I want to do is not just teach you the Scriptures, but I want to teach you how to study the Scriptures for yourself. And so what's in here is a little Bible study. This little Bible study, it consists of of just a paraphrase of the text that we're looking at. So there's a paraphrase in here of Matthew chapter 3. There's a few introductory notes, and then there's a few questions to think about, a series of questions that you can work through, and then after that, some reflections and then a prayer. And then it's not going to always be exactly like that, but what I want to do is I want to give you tools for studying the Scriptures. And the way you do this, the way you use this, there's a couple ways to do this. So, for example, I'm going to kick off a brand-new men's group that will be meeting the next five weeks here at the church from 6 to 7.30. And so if you'd like to study, guys, if you'd like to study in the, in the company of other men, I'd like to encourage you to come and study with me. And we're going to do this each week. Uh, the other ways that you can do this is you can just simply do it yourself. Or, uh, gentlemen, I'd like to encourage you to possibly even think about doing it with your wife or maybe even doing it with your family. So tonight, my family, we're going to go through this together, Okay. So you can do it with your family. But there are a number of ways that you can do this. 
Uh, if Thursday nights doesn't work for you, uh, then you can always just enlist a, a Bible buddy, uh, like Toby. Uh, you can enlist a, a, a Bible buddy, someone that will go through it with you. And I think there can be a lot of value in that. But just it's what I'm, I'm trying to give you on top of what we're actually doing here on Sunday mornings. Um, in the book of Matthew, just real quickly a little bit about Matthew. Matthew is one of the four Gospels. Most of you know that. Uh, the beginning of the New Testament, we have four different Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each Gospel, they are similar in some respects, but they're also different in some respects. And so each one is kind of like, it, it's like windows looking into a building. Whatever window you're looking through, you're looking into the same building, but through each window you see the building a little bit differently. So when you read through the Gospel of John, John presents Jesus as the Son of God, uh, emphasizing that he was God and with God in the beginning of creation. And so the Gospel of John doesn't begin with a genealogy. It begins by saying, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created by him, and nothing has come into being that wasn't created by him. That's a rough paraphrase. But, but John emphasizes Jesus as the Son of God. Uh, Luke presents Jesus as the Son of Man, uh, tracing his lineage back to Adam and emphasizing that he came to save all people, Jew and Gentile. Mark presents Jesus as the suffering servant, emphasizing that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. But then the Gospel of Matthew, where we're going to be at over the next few weeks, Matthew presents Jesus as the sovereign king of creation and the rightful heir of David. And so that's, that's what Matthew, how Matthew, when you're looking through that gospel window uh, at Jesus, that's kind of what you're seeing. So um, some of you may wonder why are we going to begin with Matthew chapter 3 instead of Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2. I want to do Matthew chapters 1 and 2 in the two weeks leading up to Christmas. So I'm saving it for that. But Matthew chapter 3 kind of acts as, it's kind of the inauguration of King Jesus the inauguration of Jesus. But before we launch into this, I'm going to ask you to do something real quick. I want to ask you to just kind of talk with two or three or maybe four people around you, and I want you to answer two questions, two questions in little groups of people. First question is, what is baptism? So I want you to answer that question, what is baptism? And secondly, I want you to answer this question, why is baptism significant or important? So what is baptism? And secondly, why is baptism significant or important? So in little groups, take a moment and talk about that. No, I will not. No, I'm not going to get into that. Go ahead. Hmm? Uh, Why is baptism significant or important? 
All right. So uh, some of you are still talking. Some of you have yet to start. Or you're already finished. So uh, let's start off. And I want to hear from you, uh, a few of you. What is, what is baptism? Okay. So it's an outward expression uh, and I'm going to just say it this way, of an inner reality. Is that okay? Okay. An outward expression, expression of an inward uh, reality. Okay. Somebody else. What is baptism? Okay. So, like in basketball, to dunk. Yeah, okay. So, it comes from a, a Greek word that literally means to dunk. Dip, immerse, uh, or submerge, that's true, that's true. Uh, it was actually used in the dye industry. So when you would baptize cloth, meaning that you would immerse it into uh, the dye, okay? Somebody else, what? Jeremiah. Following Jesus, that's an important aspect of baptism. I agree, buddy, thank you. Somebody else, what is baptism? Okay, okay, symbolizes being born again. Okay. Somebody else, what is baptism? Noreen? Okay, so shedding the old self, embracing the new. Diane, what were you saying back there? Okay, dying to self and then being resurrected to new life in Jesus. Okay, those are all pretty good. Okay, let's talk about for a moment, why is baptism significant or important? Okay, Jesus commanded it. It's commanded. What else? Okay. Public uh, acknowledgement. How do you spell acknowledgement? I don't know. Public acknowledgement of a, of a private commitment or personal commitment. Okay. Accountability. Okay, somebody else. Why is baptism important? Carolyn? Okay. 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 So, significant, um, uh, you, you talked about faith and uh, baptism kind of going together uh, in that it was immediate, okay? Anything else? Why is baptism important or significant? Sure. Okay. 
Okay. So it represents our identification with Christ, uh, a public proclamation of that. Did I see? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. So he, meaning Jesus, was baptized. Okay. We follow his example. Okay. So let's um, let's just leave all this right here for right now. Okay. Let's just leave all this right here right now, and let's let's open our Bibles. And let's look at what some of the Bible teaches us about baptism. The thing is, is there are a lot of different traditions, a lot of different traditions represented by many people in this, this room. But what we want to do is not necessarily to follow the traditions of men. What we want to do is we want to follow the teaching of Scripture. And so what we're going to do is we're not going to do an exhaustive study on the book of baptism or on the the, uh, what the Bible teaches us about baptism today, but we do want to look at what do we learn about baptism in Matthew chapter 3. So I'd like to just begin by reading for us Matthew chapter 3 today, okay? In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, John the Baptist, real quick, was the, uh, the son of Zechariah and uh, of uh, Elizabeth uh, and who was related to Mary. And so in those days, John the Baptist came preaching the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, repent, which means to, to change your mind, change your thinking, and change your actions. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This was he, John, was he uh, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. Uh, his food was locust, yum, and wild honey. Just kidding. Yum, it's in the Greek, okay? Um, people went out, went out to, to John from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. They were confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when John saw... Many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious leaders, coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, you, 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 you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for, as our father. I tell you that, that, uh, that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. But the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, John said. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, saying, Let it, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, at that moment, heaven was opened, 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This morning what I want to do is I want to share with you just a couple of things. First of all, I want you to see the message, the story of John in four parts. I want you to see the story of John in four parts. And then what I want to do is I want to talk with you a little bit about some of the implications of the teaching of this chapter. Okay? So first of all, the four parts, four parts. What I want you to see is, first of all, John came to prepare the way for the Lord's coming. John came to, to prepare the way uh, for the Lord's coming. And I want you to notice three things about John. I want you to notice his message. I want you to notice his mission. And I want you to, 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 to notice his manner. First of all, the message of John was a very, very simple message. In fact, it's almost the identical message that John, or Jesus shares in Matthew chapter 4. And, and the message of, of, of John was very, very simple. It was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That John's message was a message of repentance. It was a message to embrace change. Now, the truth is, a lot of us are allergic to change. Okay? We are. We are. Especially in the church. We are. We're allergic to change. Meaning this. Some of you think, no, I'm not allergic to change. I guarantee you, if next week, I reorganized these chairs. If I reorganized the chairs so you didn't know where your chair was, some of you would be upset. Some of you would even be offended. Some of you would even say, well, that's, you can't do that. Where's my chair? Uh, you know, some of us were allergic to change. But the truth is, if you don't change, you can't grow. And there are some things that we need to get over our allergies from. Okay. Some of us need to make very real changes in our lives. We need to change in the way we think. We may need to think. We need to change in the way we think about church and how we do it. We may need to change in, in, in how we think about money, how we think about other aspects of our lives, that we organize, how we organize our lives. But we need to repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, folks, let me, I, I want to make sure, sure something is very, very clear here. There is no kingdom of heaven. There is no kingdom of heaven for you or for me without repentance. There is not. There is no kingdom of heaven for anybody without repentance. Repent, why? For the kingdom of heaven is near. There is a warning in these words. If you do not repent, you possibly will miss out on the kingdom of heaven. Repent, why? For the kingdom of heaven is near. I also want you to see the mission of John. The mission of John... Uh, according to Matthew, is that he was the one that Isaiah spoke of, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight his, make straight, straight his paths for, for him. And, and here, uh, what we need to do is repentance is removing anything in our life. It means getting rid of anything in our life that prevents us or gets in the way of us drawing near to Jesus. It means getting rid of anything that gets in the way of following Jesus. In fact, later, there's going to be a young man who's going to come to Jesus, and he's going to ask him, what do I have to do to have eternal life? You know what Jesus is going to tell him? Go sell all you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. Why? Because that man was more attached to his possessions than he was to his heavenly father. By the way, you will never get rid of anything in your life to embrace Jesus that later you won't be grateful that you did it for. 
Okay? But what we have got to do is, is, is we need to understand the, the message of, of John to repent, and we need to understand the mission of John. It was to be a voice telling people to get ready, the Lord's coming. Third, I want you to see the manner of, of, of John. And this is significant and important because the way John came to the people of Israel in his time was very different from the religious leaders. Most of the religious leaders in, in the day of Jesus and the day of John were very, very rich. John came to the people of Israel as one who was very, very poor. The Bible describes him as being out in the wilderness, out in the desert. It describes him as being clothed with, with, with a cloak of camel's hair. And for a belt, he just had a leather strap. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Yuck. Uh, uh, some of you, that may sound kind of strange, but it was not an uncommon diet. Uh, in the wilderness at that time among the poor. And in fact, in many parts of the world today, in the Middle East and in Africa, many poor people still eat a diet of, of locusts. These are like large grasshoppers that they would eat. And so, uh, you know, his, his message, repent, his, his um, mission uh, to prepare the way of the Lord and his manner, that he came as one who is quite simple. Second thing I want you to see about the story of John is that, that John rebuked the religious leaders because of their spiritual superficiality. He rebuked them because they were, were coming into him in a way that was very, very superficial. You see, other people were coming to John, but they were coming, and when they were baptized, you know what they did? It says they confessed their sins. They confessed their sins. And, and, and with these guys, they were coming to, to, to John, and what does John do? What does he say to them? Is, you know, he says a few things. A few things. He, 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 you know, here's the thing is that John wasn't a real polite preacher. He wasn't real polite. He wasn't. He, he didn't really, he wasn't too concerned about offending people. Uh, he, he really wasn't trying to, 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 to create a large gathering of people. If anything, he was kind of almost chasing people away. And what does he say to them? In, in, in verse, uh, verse 7, he calls them uh, a brood of vipers. Uh, he uh, he he, he uh, asked them, "Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath?" Uh, he warns them, "Produce fruit in keeping with repentance." Uh, he, he tells them, "Don't think that you can uh, don't think you can save yourselves that, that we're Abraham's children, just because they're physically descendants of Abraham." Uh, he, he, basically, what John is doing with these guys is he's saying, "You know, you don't come to God through ritual, and you don't come to God." Uh, through your, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Pedigree, okay? Being born of the right ancestry, uh, having the right parents or the right grandparents or great-grandparents. Uh, like, okay, let me, let me try to illustrate it this way. Let's pretend, like, for a moment that at Travis Air Force Base, there's going to be a meeting of all the colonels at the base, okay? There is a, I don't know how many colonels they have there. Anybody know? They have a few, okay? They have a few. But let's pretend like for a moment they're going to have a meeting of colonels at Travis Air Force Base. And let's pretend like for a moment that I decide to show up at this meeting of colonels. And so they're all there. They're in their uniforms. All of them have earned their, their place there as colonels. And then I show up, and I've got the bird or whatever it is you wear on your shoulder or whatever, you know, indicating that I'm a colonel too. And they're like, you know, Gary, I didn't know you were a colonel. And I, I, you know, but let's just pretend like that, that, that we're having this little meeting, and I'm like, well, you know, I have a place at the table. I have a place at the table with you guys. I, 
I, I belong at this table with all these kernels. I, I belong here. So someone says, well, well, Gary, why do you belong here? And I say, well, if you look at my pedigree, my genealogy, and you go back about 12 generations to the American Revolution, this is true. I have it. I've got it in a book sitting on my bookshelf at home. I'll show it to you when it comes to the meet and greet on, on, on November the 4th, okay? I have a great-grandfather, 12 times removed, who fought in the French-Indian War and who was a colonel in the South Carolina militia during the Revolutionary War. Now, if I'm trying to insist that I have a place at the colonel's table because of who my great-grandfather was, and the truth is, people, we're kind of laughing at this, but the truth is, how many people have grown up in church? How many people have grown up in Christian families? and feel like they have a place at the table because of where they grew up, the home they grew up in, because of the commitment that their mom or their dad made or a commitment that their grandfather made. And people, that we, we don't come to Jesus through ritual, and we don't come to him through our pedigree. We come to him through our repentance. We come to him through our readiness to confess our sins and repent. Uh, third thing I want you to see in the story about John is this, is that where John baptized with water, he said that the one who's coming after him, who's greater than him, will baptize, how? With the Holy Spirit, with fire. This baptism of the Holy Spirit that we read about, uh, as you read through the Bible, happened in Acts chapter 2. There's this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what the Bible teaches us that everybody who is a follower of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit lives in them and that we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so there's this baptism of the Holy Spirit that was still future that John was speaking of, but there's also a future baptism of fire, meaning that one day that that the Lord Jesus Christ, that there will be a baptism of wrath, of judgment. That one day God is going to bring judgment on all who refuse to repent and believe. That anybody who refuses to confess their sins, who refuses to repent of their sin, who refuses to humble themselves before God, there is a future coming of judgment. Uh, and, 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 and Jesus is the one greater than John who would baptize first with the Holy Spirit all who truly believe in Jesus and then later a baptism of fire for all those who refuse to believe, refuse to repent, refused to confess her sins. Fourth thing I want you to see in this text is this, is that Jesus was baptized to fulfill God's righteous promise and plan, righteous purpose and plan. And uh, when Jesus comes to, to John in verse 13, uh, John in verse 14, John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? John was like, hey, you know what? I, I, you don't need baptism. It's me who needs to be baptized. That John recognized in Jesus a righteousness, a righteousness that he had as being God the Son. And, and what Jesus says to John is he says, hey, you know, uh, in verse 15, he says, let it be so or permit it so now, uh, for it is, proper, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now let me explain to you real quickly about this if I can, all right? And I'll do it imperfectly, but I'll do the best I can. When, we, when, when Jesus was baptized, he wasn't baptized as an act of repentance. 
He was baptized as an act of obedience. That Jesus had no sin to repent of. But what Jesus did through his baptism, remember how we talked about baptism being used in the dye industry? And we talked about how you would take the cloth and you would immerse it into the dye? And what you would say of that, that cloth, when you brought it out of the dye, you would say it had been baptized. And here, baptism doesn't mean only that it was immersed, but it means also that it was, has become identified, meaning that it has absorbed the color of the dye. It has been baptized. That, that, that baptism has a primary meaning of uh, to e- e- immerse, to dip, to dunk, as Justin said. Uh, but it also has a secondary meaning to be identified with. And what Jesus did through his baptism is that he who was righteous, who had no sin, identified himself with us who were sinners so that he could suffer on our behalf, so that he could bear my sin and your sin. You see, the reason that Jesus identified with you and me is he identified with you and me so that he could bear your sin and my sin on the cross. And so whereas Jesus baptized himself, identifying himself with us in our sin, now we get to be baptized and identified with him, with Jesus and his righteousness. Does that make sense? You see where I'm going with that? So, um, so the, Jesus was baptized to fulfill God's righteous purpose and plan in that moment. Um, let me just share with you a few points of application. Let me five real quick points here, okay? First point is this. As people needed to prepare for the Lord's coming then, we need to prepare for the Lord's coming now. Uh, folks, please don't miss this. Right now, a lot of us are living our lives as if Jesus is never coming back. There are people in this room right now who are living their lives just like Jesus is never going to show up. When, when, when I was a kid, and I knew my dad was coming home, and I was acting up, and my mom said, when your dad gets home, what did I do? I changed my behavior. Why? Because I knew my dad was coming. All right? The Bible tells us that one day Jesus is coming again. It does. It tells us that one day he's coming again. In fact, in, in later in Matthew, we're going to read where Jesus says, Therefore, keep watch. Jesus is saying, watch, keep watch, keep alert, be ready. These are the words of Jesus. These are not the words of Gary. These are the words of Jesus for everyone in this room. Jesus says, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And then verse 44, he says this, So also, you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You get that? See, Jesus is coming again, but he's going to come at a time that you're not necessarily expecting him. And so what you need to do and what I need to do is we need to live our lives ready every day. If I told you that 15 minutes, told you, I could tell you with certainty, which I can't, but if I told you Jesus is going to come back at exactly 12 noon today, how would you be living your life? <laughs> We'd all fall to our knees. If I told you this time tomorrow Jesus is coming back, my guess is a lot of us, we'd be living our lives a little bit differently than the way we've been living it the last 24 hours. 
We need to live our lives every day mindful, ready for the return of Jesus. He's coming again. Uh, Later in the Bible, the Bible says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. You know what that means? The day of the Lord will come like a thief. By by the way, thief ever show up at your house? A couple of you? Ever show up? You ever have a thief steal your car? I did. I did. I had a, a thief steal my car. He did not send me he did not send me a warning. He did not email me. He did not text me. He did not call me. He did not knock on my door and say, by the way, Friday night, 8.30, I'm going to steal your car. Because if he had done that, I would have greeted him. I would have been right out there. I got a little baseball bat. I'm not going to shoot a person over a car. I might, I might, I might introduce him to, to my, my Louisville slugger, though. But, but, you know, a thief comes at a time you don't expect. And, and, and the Bible says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a war. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. You remember the fire that came through uh, a year ago in October? You remember how that fire just burned lots of, of Northern California? And how some of us were afraid we were going to have to, to leave our homes, that our homes might be destroyed. You remember that? A fire is coming. A fire is coming, the Bible says. The heavens will disappear with a war. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to, by the way, look forward to, not in dread, but look forward to the day of God and speed, hurry, it's coming. We need to get ready. As people need to prepare for the Lord's coming then, we need to prepare for the Lord's coming now. Secondly, we need to be careful of spiritual superficiality. That what happened is the religious leaders, they came to Jesus, but they weren't coming in repentance. Excuse me, they came to John to be baptized, but they weren't coming with repentant hearts. They weren't coming to sacrifice their sins. They were coming to embrace a ritual without the reality behind it. We need to be careful of spiritual superficiality. Worse than being baptized is being baptized, I think, with a superficial heart. Is that we need to be careful that we don't come to God out of ritual, but with this inner reality of a heart submitted to God, repentant, of our sin, turning to him. Number three, we need to be, bear the fruit of true repentance. We need to bear the fruit of, of true repentance. That what, what John said to the, uh, to, to the religious leaders, he said to them, he said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When, when Paul preached, when Paul was summarizing his ministry in Acts chapter 26, when he was summarizing his ministry, this is how he summarized it. He said, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles, I preached that they should what? Repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. You see, just kind of giving lip service to it, just kind of going through the motions of it, isn't enough. So we need to truly repent. We need to change the way we think in such a way that it changes the way we live. We need to bear the fruit of true repentance. Number four, 
We need to see, understand, and embrace that it's through faith in Christ that we're baptized with the Holy Spirit and that one day Christ will judge the earth with the baptism of fiery judgment. Um, for, for more about this, I wrote up, they're in the notes. They're in the notes I put in the bulletin for you. Okay, they're not, maybe not the best notes, but they're notes. I've written some stuff there for you. You can read more about that. Then finally, number five, uh, we need to follow the example of Christ's baptism. We need to follow the example. Is that, that, that when Jesus was baptized, it was to fulfill all righteousness meaning that, that he was doing what was the right thing to do in that moment. That what Jesus did was, not only was Jesus identifying himself with us in our sin, but he was inviting us to be identified with him in his righteousness. And, and what he was doing for us is what he wants us to do. He was being an example in his, in his, his baptism. He was being an example of being obedient to God. Interesting, fascinating thing is that when Jesus is baptized, who do we see present in his baptism? We see the, we see the Father. The Father says, this is my beloved Son. With him I'm well pleased. We see the Holy Spirit alighting uh, 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 himself on Jesus. And then, of course, we see God the Son, who's being obedient to the Father in his baptism. What Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, all authority, you know what that means, all authority? It means all authority. It means there's no exception here. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, and so that just as uh, we see the Father, Son, Holy Spirit present in the baptism of Jesus, that we need to baptize others and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, just a couple of questions for you, uh, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to finish here. What action does God want you to take today? What action does God want you to take today? Do you need to repent and believe? Maybe you're not yet a true follower of Jesus. Maybe you've grown up in the church. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home. But you've never repented. You've never turned from your unbelief and your sin to believe in Jesus. Do you need to repent and believe? What action do you need to take today? Do you need to be baptized? Have you made this decision that you want to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've never made a public profession of your uh, of that inner that 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 out, outward display of that inner reality. Have you ever publicly professed your desire to follow Jesus through baptism? Uh, number four, or number three, or whatever it is, I don't know. Uh, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian who has drifted from pure-hearted devotion to Jesus? What I mean is this: is that 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 sometimes sometimes we need to repent, meaning that we need to turn from our unbelief. Believing in ourselves, believing in our rituals, believing in our spiritual pedigree to believe in Jesus. But sometimes we need to repent, meaning that in our daily walk with Jesus, there is something that's standing between us and really following Jesus with pure-hearted devotion. Is there something in your life that you need to repent of today? Are there steps you need to take 
to prepare yourself for Christ's coming. If Christ were coming tomorrow, is there anything that you need to do to change in the way you're thinking, to change in the way you're living, that prepares you for the Lord coming? Do you need to invest yourself in further study of this text with others? Do you need to do the Bible study that's in your, your bulletin? Maybe with your, your husband, your wife, maybe with some friends, a group of guys meeting here on Thursday nights? Do you, you need to, to invest yourself in further study. What action does God want you to take today? Oh, let's take a moment and let's just pray real quick, okay? God, today we want to worship you. Uh, we worship you as uh, a holy God, as a good God. Uh, we worship you, God, as... As, as the one who has, has come uh, in the person of Jesus, and we worship you as, as the one who has fulfilled all righteousness. We worship you as, as the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and will one day baptize uh, the world with the fire of your judgment. And God, today what we want to do is we want to worship you. Lord, I pray that for anybody today who's coming here, maybe with a heavy heart, maybe with a wounded heart, uh, that, that we would draw near to you uh, and experience your comfort. Uh, God, today what we want to do is we want to follow Jesus and we want to, uh, we, we want to, uh, we, we want to be repentant of anything that we need to repent of. And we want to get ready for the Lord's coming. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.